you can do a little bit of work and have the information and then go back to your property manager and say, hey, here's what I'm seeing. What do you need for me to make this happen? And I've found that they're really responsive to that. And if you know what's going on, it's going to make the process just that much faster to put the pieces together. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hello, and welcome to the Get Real Podcast. I'm your host today, Heather Marchant. Ron is not joining us for this episode, and I have an awesome guest today, Jackie Hansen, who works with RP Capital, and she is an integral part. For those of you who are a client of RP Capital, at some point, you've probably interfaced with Jackie. So she handles any post-sale issues. And we thought it would be something that would be really useful to understand kind of like a top five issues that happen that we deal with with our clients that we can kind of put into a box and categorize. So welcome to the show, Jackie. Happy to be here. Excited (laughs) to talk about this stuff. It's a lot of good information. Yeah. We actually had a lot of fun putting the list together because it's actually kind of difficult to take 100 customer service tickets that we've had and kind of put them into a box, (laughs) into a category. So really interesting to do that. So thank you for spending the time and kind of helping, I think, our clients, but also listeners who are wanting to get into the investment space to really understand what the nuances are once you close. So <laughs> so I want to jump right into it because we have a lot to cover. So less of the hello and welcome and more of the, okay, let's get down to business, which is probably how both of us are anyway, Jackie. Yes. (laughs) So I think the main thing to kind of intro this is when to know when to use our leverage or a company's leverage who you purchase through versus working on it yourself, right? And so for business owners out there, there obviously is that line of, hey, do I call and get assistance or can I handle this myself? And so that will kind of be woven through a lot of these items, ways that you can tackle stuff yourself versus having to feel like you have to reach out to someone to help you or give you guidance. So our first one. So this is something that I feel like, Jackie, even though it's not necessarily the post-closing, there are issues that come up later because people aren't looking at their settlement statement very well. Yes. <laughs> One thing about customer service Heather and I talked about as we were preparing for this is that customer service issues seem to come in waves. And right now we are having a big wave of people not checking their settlement statements. So that's been top of mind for me. And I think it'll help everyone to kind of talk about this briefly and talk about what to look for. And it'll help solve a lot of your problems before they arise, which is yes, how we like to do huge. Things. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I just closed on a property two weeks ago and found a couple errors on the settlement statement. And I'd been involved and I had reminded the title company to remove a couple of fees and they still weren't removed when I went to sign them. So even though you have notified them or maybe our team has notified the title company, that does not mean that humans don't make mistakes. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I tend to think, (laughs) oh, this is what they do every day. They're on top of it. They've got this. It's still a human on the other end. And especially when it's outside of their very, very specific checklist, it could get missed pretty easily. So it's good to be aware of and to watch for. 
I totally agree. I think that another factor too is that you have to picture people working in a title company or in the title office and they have people that pull the title reports. They have people that prepare all the closing documents. And sometimes maybe someone's out sick, right? And that's how something can get missed too. If you think about just regular day-to-day business of any business, you have people that call in sick, you have people that don't communicate or send an email. And so it's really simple for something like that to get missed. So read your settlement statement. We're actually going to be doing a training on this in our Facebook group that we have for our investors and also for potential investors. So it's hard to do that on the podcast because we really need visuals. In a podcast, you can only go so far without a visual. So we are going to be doing that in the next two weeks. So if you want to join that Facebook group, please reach out to us at invest at rpcinvest.com. And you can just give us the email address associated with your Facebook account and we can invite you. It's a private group. So that will be something that I think will be really helpful I've looked at so many that it feels like I know a language, if that makes sense. Like it's when you see it so many times and you understand what you're looking for. Otherwise, you look at the page and it's overwhelming. So it's a big difference. It is overwhelming. And I've seen Heather break it down so simply. She's able to look and quickly point out what she's looking for. So I think that training is going to be beneficial for me and everyone listening here as well. Yep. Just practice, man, over time. (laughs) So I think a couple of things in more details, I guess, on that settlement statement, the questions we get, this happens a lot is, so who do I pay my insurance to? Or I received an email that says I need to pay for the insurance. And if you're financing a property, the lender is handling that. So we have had so many clients double pay their insurance premium because they panic that they owe someone money for insurance, forgetting that if you're financing the property, that's already being handled in your escrow portion of your payment. And I've seen it missed a lot if you're paying cash that you don't pay your insurance bill because it's not run through the lender. So those are two really important things. And if you need to set a, a calendar reminder or something to make sure you pay it every year, because I have seen clients go without insurance and there is a panic when they realize they have no insurance. Always a panic. Yep. So what else do you see on that insurance, Jackie? Those are the biggest things. The double payments I see a lot. I would say before you panic and write a check, just pick up the phone or send an email to the insurance company, especially if you're a, a part of our master insurance plan. They're really responsive and they'll look it up for you. They'll send an EOI. They'll make sure that they're connected with your lender. We see that happen when loans are sold on the secondary market, which happens more frequently than not, that there's just a miscommunication that happens there. And so we just need to connect the right people with the right documents and then everyone's good to go. Yeah. And sometimes they send... I've just got an email last week, I think it was, a property I'm supposed to close in October. They said, hey, you owe us money for this property. And I've had clients also pay those. And I said, oh, I don't own that property yet. So I'm not paying insurance. And they said, oh, sorry, this is an automated email. So when are you closing? So asking questions don't automatically pay out of panic, I guess, on that insurance, especially. So good point. So there's a couple of things that we're going to be doing an episode in a couple of weeks, probably on our investor portal that we're launching soon. But you can have contact information stored for each property for your insurance company who insures the property, the home warranty company, and the documents will be stored in there. So your evidence of insurance and your home warranty 
like the policy number. So that way, if you ever have any issues, it's all stored in one place. And that's just one of many benefits, but things that we're trying to encourage our clients to use more often to help with these problems. Yeah. I think that'll be huge. I'm excited about that rolling out pretty soon here. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And another thing that's often missed on the settlement statement is your deposit, making sure the deposit's transferred. And it's just good to ask the question because sometimes the property manager retains that deposit and you don't get it on the settlement statement. That is a little more specific to each market, but asking the question like, Hey, I don't see my deposit on here as well as prorated rent, which may be hundred bucks, depending on the time of month that you're closing. But if you're buying a fourplex where rents are $5,000 and you're closing on the fifth of the month, that means the seller keeps that five days of rent and you keep for the remainder of the month. So it's a lot of money. So, and guess what? (laughs) It's easier if you catch it before you close than to try to go back to the seller and track that down after closing. And we've been dealing with quite a few of those lately. So that's a big one. Any prorations, taxes, rents, anything like that, check your settlement statement for that. And if you need help interpreting that, your agent is happy to help you with that. Yeah. So it's such a good point. And I think that it's going to be hopefully getting better and better as clients know what to look for and won't be missed. But the title company, if it's in the contract that rents are to be prorated at closing, that's actually the title company's job to prorate those rents. And when the title company misses that, that's actually their error. So it happens all the time though. I would say 25% maybe of the settlement statements I look at miss prorated rents. And again, sometimes it's not a lot of money, but sometimes it's a lot of money. So yeah. And I mean, a hundred bucks here or there, you might as well get it on the right side of the settlement statement. So you get your money. That's right. Exactly. So the second thing I wanted to talk about on our list, Jackie, is insurance. So we talked about this a little bit, but the only thing I would add, because this is number two of five, I guess, is the note being sold. Can you talk to us about that, Jackie? And yeah, what happens? I think I, I think I mentioned that briefly, but most mortgages well, are sold. Too. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Most mortgages are sold on the secondary market, especially these FHA insured Fannie and Freddie loans that are very common. And when that happens, you have a different carrier than who you originally financed with. And so you just need to be sure to connect those right people. I won't go into too much detail. I mentioned it earlier, but if you need help navigating that, we're happy to help you. But it's just reaching out and communicating and bridging that gap before you think you don't have insurance and a big issue arises. Yeah. Really good point. I will add one other thing on insurance that I was going to cover a little later, but it ties in really well here is I just set up an umbrella policy on my properties. So it's on all of my properties, all of my assets is additional insurance because I am struggling. I think I've mentioned it here in the podcast before. I'm struggling to get my properties into LLCs. And so in a timely manner, I have clients that are so on top of it. I have one particular client that usually has the deed drafted and waiting for him to sign until the first one records, right? To deed the property from his personal name (laughs) into his LLC. I am not that buttoned up. So I take one time, it took me a full year to get it done. And I've talked to many clients in the same boat. So I just added an umbrella policy. So I have some additional insurance. My portfolio is big enough now that made more sense. And it was really cheap. I'm trying to remember what the premium was, but it was a couple million dollars of liability coverage for, I want to say like less than $500 a year. So just to give me a little more peace of mind. That's solid. I love that. Yeah. 
but that's something you can handle post-closing. It doesn't have to be attached to the purchase at all, but having additional insurance is always really powerful. So awesome. Number three, property management. Jackie, what are the top issues you see related to property management? The top issues I see definitely are property management's not responding to me, which mm-hmm. I wish I had the podcast numbers in front of me, but there are some property management podcasts that you should go back and listen to because we've really kind of gone through how to best communicate with your property managers that they're not responding, wondering if your property is leased, if it's rented or saying mm-hmm. that you haven't received any rent yet. Those are things that I deal with on almost a daily basis. And we have some good things to help with that. One of which is going to be the investor portal, which we mentioned. Another one is just to access your portal through the property management company. Buildium is a very popular one. Appfolio is another very popular one. They're very easy to set up an account and you can view the financials for whatever particular property, Mm -hmm. both money in, money out. You can see the disbursements. You can see if there's supposed to be a disbursement and you haven't received it, that there's probably some sort of issue with your transfer that you have set up to your bank account. So you can do a little bit of work and have the information and then go back to your property manager and say, Hey, here's what I'm seeing. What do you need for me to make this happen? And I've found that they're really responsive to that. And if you know what's going on, it's going to make the process just that much faster to put the pieces together. Yeah. I love that. I think those online portals are really, for the most part, they're pretty easy there are a couple of people that need help interpreting the property management statement. And sometimes they'll throw an expense under a strange category. And so it doesn't make any sense. We have a plugin basically that we've built for the investor portal that you can sync your property management statements with our software that extrapolates the data and helps spit it back out and rates of return to understand how your property is actually performing. We talk about that in the podcast that we'll be launching in a couple of weeks, but It is awesome because over the years, that's been a question I've received is, I don't really know how my property is doing. I would call a whole year later and say, how are things going? And I would guess most people would say, well, I think it's going well. I mean, there hasn't been anything crazy. So I think things are okay. (laughs) And so they would ask me to help them know, right? Like, here's my statements. Can you help me know how it's doing? I don't know. So that's the... I guess, need or the hole we're trying to plug to help with clients being able to really have a good handle on what's happening on their property. So I think that's huge, especially as you get more properties, right? It's that many more places to log in and try to put all the numbers together. So Mm -hmm. I think that'll be a really powerful tool. Yeah. I think we want this to be as passive as possible so you can spend more time living your vision. And so you can't really live your vision as well if you're having to sit in front of a computer logging stuff into QuickBooks all the time. So yeah, being your own bookkeeper. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Anything else, Jackie, related to property management that you get a lot of questions on? Lots of eviction questions, I would say, especially in the current climate, which I think Mm. we're working our way back around and kind of, yeah, balancing out. (laughs) It's been a while. Yes. So lots of eviction questions. And usually what I direct clients to do, or I help them do is I look up the municipality because the things so much, the different requirements Mm. or the different regulations. And it's always in my experience, I've always been able to find what I need online. Mm. So just kind of use Google. It's powerful and find that municipality and find 
just whoever oversees that with the department that oversees that is the word I'm looking for. Got it. And and look for their regulations. And that will help you to navigate and make sure that your property manager is staying on top of those things, which usually they are. Usually they know, but it's a good thing for you to- How do you research that? What are you Googling when you find that? I'll Google like York, Pennsylvania, municipality, housing department Mm. or FHA or anything like that. Mm. And I'm able to usually find the site that has those things listed. Got it. It hasn't been difficult. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And if you need help, one thing I realized I said, but didn't complete the thought, if you need help interpreting your property management statement, not only is the investor portal going to be an asset to you, but you can also reach out to your property manager and they'll go over it with you on the phone. You just need to set up a time and say, I just need you to explain what is happening on my statements. And the same as that settlement statement we talked about, it's almost like learning a language. And once you know it, it's just going to be super obvious to you what's happening versus having to dissect it every month. So. And the first reaction is to kind of panic with that. Like, oh, I see these repairs or I see these charges and I don't understand. And I feel like things are not working well. And a lot of times it just needs a simple explanation and things will fall into place. So I think yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's lead into the fourth one is repairs. I had one of my favorite clients reach out to me kind of in a panic. I mean, panic might be an excess, I guess, but she was concerned about several repairs right out of the gate on her property. Jackie and I worked on it together and I said, well, am I missing something? It looks like all of these repairs total are $550. Like, is there something I don't know about? Because the panic was like, this property is like draining me. I'm, you know what I mean? And so once I had a phone call with her and I said, so am I right? Like, it looks like it's $550. And she said, well, yeah, I guess it's not that bad, huh? Like, I guess that's not as bad as I thought it was. And I said, yeah, yeah that's what I'm seeing in the statement. So I think the move to panic without really knowing all of the details is probably something we talk about, gosh, almost daily, Jackie, of trying to, let's get the facts. Let's get the details. Let's get the facts and the details before we panic. Yes. One other example on that is I had a client who was owed a credit from the seller and the seller was traveling out of the country for several weeks. And so I was keeping him updated and I said, well, here's the thing. They sent a check. It's not arrived yet but they were out of the country when they did it. And so I think something happened. We issued a new check and he said, I don't understand why the credit took a month. Like that is a really long time. And I said, well, let me tell you the background. Let me tell you the facts. Let me explain the timeline of it. And then he said, oh, that makes total sense. And he told me after that he had painted a picture in his mind and was looking to contact an attorney. And I said, oh, that's so interesting. That kind of initial I'm being ripped off or the panic is kind of a human response, but making sure that you have the facts first. Yeah. And kind of on those same, along those same lines, I see a lot of panic when repairs arise right after closing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you all that is the most common time for repairs to arise because usually we're selling freshly renovated properties or brand new or brand new. And the plumbing hasn't been put to the test, right? They flush the toilets, they run the showers, they make sure everything's draining properly, but it's different when a family of five or a couple moves in and is using that plumbing multiple times a day. We see plumbing issues. We see little electrical issues. We see places where a screw wasn't screwed in all the way and a a handle falls off or something. These are tiny minor repairs, but they cause major panic. Like, oh my gosh, I bought something that is already falling apart. There's no need to panic. 
get yeah. the facts. These tiny repairs are totally normal. And the mm-hmm. home warranty will cover, especially the plumbing and the electrical issues. Those are something I see a lot. And the warranties jump in and help cover those right away. And it's really simple fixes. So that'd be my last yeah. little plug on repairs is don't panic. You didn't buy something that's falling apart. <laughs> this is normal. Yes. It's just got to be put to the test with people living there and using it frequently. Yeah. I think not jumping to that conclusion is really helpful. I mean, is there a chance that there's a lemon property? Absolutely. Is it likely? No, not likely. (laughs) So I think that's really helpful. And one thing that I know you've done really well for a lot of clients is when you get a bill from the property manager, don't just take that as the gospel truth, right? That this is what I'm paying and no exceptions. You can ask for a second bid a couple of times I've even jumped in and just gotten my own bid, especially if they are taking a long time and the property is sitting vacant, like if it's a tenant turn bill. And I know that my property manager is really busy right now. Then I say, Hey, you know what? Can I call and get a few bits for that? And Google has really opened the world that you can be able to get a bid yourself. You don't typically have to do that, but that is something if it saves you a week on your tenant turn time, it's worth 20 minutes of my time. So that's something I've done in the past as well. So don't accept it as the only option. You have a couple of really good ones, Jackie. One that comes to mind is we had a client that had a huge bill for trash out. So the tenant had left a lot of stuff in the home. I don't remember the numbers, but I remember it was significant. The yeah. bill. The whole tenant turn bill was like seventy-five or seventy-seven hundred dollars. And of course, the client was panicked. So yeah. I looked through and in each room there was a separate trash out charge, which is fine. Mm-hmm. That's how the property manager breaks it down. That's how they do it. But I looked at that and I said, let's condense this and let's call this. I looked around, I Googled. I found a trash out company that was local in that market. I called them and I got a bid and it saved between $1,500 and $2,000 just on trash out alone. And then we were able to do the same thing with carpet cleaning and with painting. We kind of just consolidated everything and we ended up getting that overall bill down, I think $4,500, which Which was insane. Very significant. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the facts, right? Getting the facts together. I love that. Then lastly, a couple of post-closing questions, at least I get a lot from my clients is, okay, I need to set up an LLC. What do I do, Heather? And so we have a person we interviewed here on the podcast named Jim Birch. And that episode is what I usually send people (laughs) when they come to me with that question. I say, well, I can help you answer some basic questions, but you know who the expert is. And I refer him out to Jim Birch usually to set up an LLC. He's not an attorney, so it's not nearly as expensive, but he knows the ins and outs of setting up LLCs, which is awesome. And he can help with how do you set up the bank accounts? How do you deal with all of the nuances of setting up an LLC out of state or in your state? So super, super helpful to use those professionals that you have access to. I get questions on cost segregation. Same thing. I say, okay, here you go. Here's Joe Vyrie's information. We interviewed him on the podcast. And so you can go and listen to that episode and learn about tax savings with cost segregation. And so much of what I do, it feels like is just referring people to the right person to help them. And I think another one that I get a lot, sorry, Jackie, this is mostly on my end versus yours, but you deal with this a lot too, though, is when do I know if it's a good time to sell? I mean, we get that 
you help me with that all the time. So running a sales analysis, that is something we're building into the investor portal that will be a button that you can click and be sent a sale analysis. There'll probably be a fee for it because we want to make sure it's good quality. Man, we've run around into so many different softwares and I'm hoping we can still find one. If not, there'll be an actual person preparing the sale analysis. And so spending $10 or something is going to be well worth it to really know what your property's worth and if it's time to sell. And then when am I ready for my next property? Like, how do I know what should I do? And that is the advantage of setting up a wealth plan and having a roadmap ready for you is to When you start building, just before we started recording this, Jackie, I was talking to a client and she said, my husband left his job and he's doing consulting right now. He was totally stressed out on his job. And she said, I'm wanting, well, he's wanting to be done working. And I said, okay, tell me what timeline. And she said, six months. And I said, okay. And what will it take? And she said, well, I need 4,000 a month in addition to all of the rent because they have a lot of rental income already. And I said, all right, six months to get 4,000 a month. You have enough cash to work with on it, right? So working backwards a lot of times from what you're trying to accomplish and making sure you're not just, we talk about that a lot, but making sure you're not just buying property willy-nilly, like have a vision, have a plan, why you're doing it, what the timeline is, talk to your spouse about those things. Those are conversations that I realized I didn't really even have with my husband. I don't know if you do with your husband, Jackie, but... I don't sit and talk about those things. A couple of years ago, I turned to Doug and I said, so tell me if money were no object, what would you want to do? And it was one of the coolest conversations we had. And I got to know my husband's heart on an even deeper level. I mean, we've been married for 15 years. And so at that point, it was at least 12 years of marriage. And he said, well, I have this career where I help people. He's a psychologist. And he said... I would want to help people who can't afford what services I offer. And he mostly works with kids and I was blown away, right? Like, wow. And so I said, well, I'm behind that vision and let's make it happen. And so I think we've talked about that on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, just to be able to have those conversations as to why you're doing this it's not just about money. It never is. So if you think it's about money, then you're not having the hard conversations as to why you're doing this. So I guess that would be my takeaway for this conversation as far as knowing when to buy an ex property is know why you're doing it. And then it will, the answer will come pretty easy. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd add, Jackie? I feel like we covered our no our list we made together. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. So This was super helpful. I hope you guys found it helpful and being able to make sure you're kind of circumventing these issues if you can, or what to do when they arise. Because owning rental property is not without these pitfalls. Otherwise, everyone would do it because the rates of return are insane compared to other investments. And so understanding these things, preparing yourself mentally for them. I did talk with a client this week. It's a new client. And she asked me a question I've literally never been asked before because I ask these questions of my clients all the time. And she said, what can I do to be a better client for you? And I was like, I think I laughed. I said, wow, I've, I've been doing this a long time and I've never had anyone ask me that question. And I said, honestly, 
it's mindset. And I sat and thought, is there anything else that makes me want to work with my people? But mindset, man, is so important to really understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, talk to your spouse about it, have those hard conversations. So that would be my takeaway for this week, my friends. So go out and make something happen. Reach out to us to be able to be part of that Facebook group to get additional tools and resources for these things. We love helping people. We love what we do. So thanks for joining us for the ride. Have a good week. See ya. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.